Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E equals MC. That all men are created About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another great episode of Finding Your Frequency. I am your host, Ryan Treasure, and we have a great show for you guys today. First of all, I want to give a big shout out to everybody who stayed with us through uh, 2020 and uh, and in the past listening to the show. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do this show without the listeners uh, and you guys checking out the show. Please make Make sure to share this uh, show with all of your friends and your family. Uh, it's great content, I believe, that's uh, helping folks out. And uh, we got a great show for you guys today. You know, there's so much stuff that's going on in the world. And, you know, here we are, uh, you know, in the end of 2020, early 2021. And, you know, we still have our, our, our COVID spikes and different stuff that's happening. And, you know, I had some good friends of mine that are nurses and nurse practitioners that are on the front lines and, you know, really working hard to you know, uh, service those folks with COVID. Uh, but then there's also those folks that need to go to the hospital that don't have COVID. And so, you know, I know here in Arizona, we're starting to see, um, some, some huge surges and, you know, people are popping up tents and different stuff over in, uh, the town of Prescott, which is a little bit North of Phoenix. Um, I know that, um, our good friend, uh, the wish man is in the hospital right now and they ended up having to put him in a tent uh, for a knee injury. Uh, it's been quite, quite something to deal with, but uh, we got a great guest to discuss some of this stuff today. Uh, Greg Hamner, Dr. Hamner. He's the author of gain without pain, the happiness handbook for healthcare professionals. Uh, and you know, although all those, all those things that uh, healthcare professionals need uh, to take care of themselves, right? So they can take care of us. Uh, Dr. Hamner is a pediatric intensive care physician. Physician, professor at Stanford University Medical Center and a member of the Stanford Well MD Initiative and Wellness Committee for the American Society of Anesthesiologists. Dr. Hamner's bio is gigantic. So all I'm going to say is Dr. Hamner is a very well-educated doctor and a perfect person to talk to us about this stuff today. Dr. Hamner, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be with you. So uh, staying true to the focus of the radio show, which is uh, finding your frequency, you know, I'd love to get to know you just a little bit and a little bit about your backstory and, you know, who you are, why you do what you do. Um, so, you know, tell us, how did you find your frequency in life and in business and why do you do what you do? Well, that's a great question, Ryan. Uh, I would have to go back to my university days when I was uh, studying in three different domains, I think. I was studying Buddhism, I was studying astronomy, and I was studying human biology. And uh, I found that Buddhism was a great resource, but probably wouldn't be a profession. Uh, and I found that there was analogy between astronomy and the human biology, human physiology. So the idea is that there's a micro level there's quantum physics. Uh, there are micro particles, if you will, uh, that are 
representative of what's going on out there in the universe, products of uh, stellar explosions and novae and supernovae and all of that. And so there are subatomic particles of relevance and, and atoms and molecules, and, and that goes up to uh, suns with planets and solar systems, and they form galaxies, and the galaxies form galaxy groups, and the galaxy groups form the universe. And similarly, in the human body, we have subcellular organelles forming cells, cells forming tissues, tissues forming the body, and then there is the collective body, if you will, uh, which maybe is where my interest in Buddhism came in. So I decided just that uh, medicine would be more practical than astronomy as a career. And so I decided <laughs> to go to medical school. And when I was there, I found that I really enjoyed uh, when I was doing my rotations, working with people in medicine for children, that is pediatrics. Not that I had a tremendous love for children uh, specifically. I love adults as well, but I found that I connected more. My frequency was more resonant with that of people working in pediatrics. It, we don't take ourselves quite as seriously. There's a little bit more humor and lightheartedness and that suits my personality. And so <laughs> I decided to go into children's medicine. And then once I was doing my residency in pediatrics, I decided that I really loved critical care. So uh, my frequency is uh, high amplitude, uh, high frequency. I like things coming hot and heavy where circumstances are changing rapidly and I can make a decision, make an intervention, and I see a result pretty immediately as opposed to tweaking something in the patient's medications and seeing them back in my clinic in a month. So I decided <laughs> that critical care and anesthesiology were uh, mutually supportive and, and, and interrelated as specialties. And uh, there were people doing both. It was more of a popular combination at the time. So I decided to do that. So I, I did a residency in pediatrics and then I did a residency in anesthesiology and then I did fellowships in pediatric anesthesiology and critical care. So they made us practice on big people first. <laughs> okay. And I have been doing uh, pediatric intensive care and anesthesiology ever since. I've been at Stanford for 25 years. I have a laboratory. I study developmental pharmacology, how medications have effect and are distributed, how they form different concentrations in different body compartments in newborns, infants, toddlers, school-aged children, adolescents, how that changes over time. So Again, we get back to sort of the evolution of a person being somewhat analogous to the evolution of a star. Yeah. Um, so it's all, everything is all interrelated. And, and that's what I love about astronomy and medicine. And I have just been very gratified in my career. And uh, at the same time, related to my interest in Buddhism, I've always been kind of searching for the truth searching for what is our purpose, why are we here, what is it all about? And about 10 years ago, I kind of had an epiphany that I was searching for something on the outside when in fact the truth and in fact happiness are our true nature and on the inside, if you will, right there all the time. All we had to do was kind of let go of a lot of the layers of noise that are in the environment all the time and sink into our true nature, which is happiness. So I uh, reinvigorated my meditation practice and I started teaching meditation. I got very interested in physician wellness, 
joined our WellMD program, which started around 2015 at Stanford, very novel program. And uh, then I started getting asked to give talks on wellness uh, in, in medicine, and, and that sort of took on a life of its own. I had some sabbatical time and I decided, what am I gonna do? I can't leave, I've got my lab here. And I decided to write the book. So that is the genesis of the book. Um, I would say that in the last few years before I sat down to write the book, I had evolved this uh, meditation practice, my own practice and that which I teach my trainees called the GAIN method. the G is for gratitude, A for acceptance, I for intention, N for non-judgment. Ooh, non-judgment. That's a big one right there. <laughs> so I don't know if, uh, if you're getting this echo, Ryan, I'm, I'm hearing an echo. Uh, I'm not getting an echo on my side. Let me pause the recording okay. here one second from there. You know, Dr. Hammer, I think that, you know, acceptance and non-judgment, um, especially in the medical field, is extremely important. Um, you know, it's so difficult when, uh, a patient has, you know, some kind of an ailment, they don't know what's going on. They don't know why it's happening. And then you go to the doctor and I've had this happen to myself. My wife has had this happen to her as well. You know, you you go to the doctor to try to get treatment, find out what's going on. And then your doctor gets all judgy, you know, like, why are you doing this? You shouldn't have been doing that. Well, you know, I think there's a, a lot better approach, you know, um, for understanding that, you know, you are dealing with a human being, right? We're all human beings and we have feelings and, you know, to walk into some person that you just met and them to start judging you. Um, it's a real, it's, it really makes the the patient feel bad. I know that I've had, I've changed doctors because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that it's part of our nature to evaluate our environment and make judgments. And, uh, you know, I can, perhaps explain teleologically how we evolved to be that way. I think we have other characteristics of interest that relate to how we view the world. We have a negativity bias, for example. We tend to remember the negative and forget the neutral and especially the positive experiences. So this negativity bias, this innate desire to evaluate everything around us and make judgments becomes very ingrained in the way we think. And I, you know, I think most of us can relate to the fact that we see another person, we make a judgment. We make some assumptions about them based on the shape of their body, um, how their face looks. uh, Are they looking at their screen? Do they have buds in their ears? How are they dressed? And this just comes naturally. And I think we have to actually put energy into the system of our thoughts to overcome these tendencies, to overcome this negativity bias, to overcome our obsession with the past and the future, recognizing that happiness is in the present. We have to put energy into learning how to drop these constant judgments, which exhaust us and really are not productive. And the good news is our brains remain plastic throughout life. And if we recognize those elements of our nature that would be better off changed, we can actually apply ourselves just as we would train the muscles in our body to run a 10K race or a marathon. You know, you have to start step-by-step, baby steps, Mm -hmm. but a daily practice. And if we recognize what the issues are and we have the tools to change the way we think, 
the good news is that we can succeed. And that's what my GAIN program is all about. You guys have to check out this new service that I'm playing around with called Issue. It is totally amazing. You live to create, but you don't live to worry over the last nitpicky details involved in putting final touches on contact. You got to do what you do best and let Issue handle the rest. If you're a creative, you know the drill. You're finally done editing. It's perfect. Now you just need format and reformat for every single platform. With Issue, make it once and it's ready to post everywhere. Seriously, Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications from brochures to magazines and sales collateral. It's perfect for creators, marketers, designers, educators, publishers, salespeople, or just anyone that wants to make eye-catching content that can be distributed on multiple platforms. Issue makes it really simple. Just upload the PDFs and files and Issue transforms them using your vision and customizable templates to create the content you want. With Issue, you just create it one time and distribute it everywhere. Everything is optimized to post on your website, social platforms like Instagram and Facebook. They can even help you make animated Instagram stories. And the best part about it, it is free. F-R-E-E free. That's right. It's free to get started with Issue. So go to issue.info slash frequency to sign up for your free account. That's I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency to sign up and let them know that you heard about it from this show, Finding Your Frequency. Remember, that's dot info, not dot com, dot info. So go to I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency and get your free account today. So, you know, let's kind of shift gears on the GAIN program and talk about, you know, uh, a little bit of about the beginning of the show, I had started to mention, you know, some of our healthcare professionals and folks that are, you know, dealing with COVID on the front lines and all that kind of stuff. And I know, you know, the, the, the game thing, you know, you, you talk about, uh, you know, people who are working from home and, and dealing with burnout, but um, let, let's talk about our healthcare professionals and, and kind of, you know, some of the things that, 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 they, that they're dealing with, how does, um, how does the four steps of gain help them to, uh, you know, deal with some of the stress that they are having currently with our, our current uh, pandemic? Sure. Well, I think maybe the best way to answer that question is just to give you an example. So I'm riding my bike to work. I'm very fortunate. I have a lovely home on campus. Uh, it's a 10 to 15 minute bike ride for me to get to the hospital. So I get up in the morning and I do my gain meditation where I get in touch with my breath and then I transition into a contemplation of that for which I'm grateful, which is easy. I have much for which to be grateful. I transition into acceptance. Uh, for me, the first element that always comes to mind is my son because I lost my dear 29-year-old son three years ago. And that's a condition or a circumstance I can't change. It's painful. I must accept it. And so I breathe into that experience, open my heart, bring that pain in, uh, recognize acceptance. And then I move to intention where I apply my purposeful thinking process to appreciating the present moment and embracing what I have and focusing on that rather than what I lack. And then I move to non-judgment where I see the world exactly as it is without putting labels like good and bad on it. And then I can accept myself as well as the world for who I am. So I do this meditation and then I get on my bike and I ride to work and I get, enter the hospital and this, these elements of gain are constantly going through my head. So I, I come to the hospital, everybody's wearing a mask. We have to go through this process of actually 
checking into the hospital. There's a, a desk where we have to give an attestation that we don't have a fever, we haven't been exposed to anyone with COVID, et cetera, et cetera, before we get into the hospital. Right. We enter the hospital, they give us a new face mask to wear, put on the face mask. We entered with the old face mask, they give us a new one, we throw out the old one, put on the new one. Everybody's wearing a mask. Um, it's hard to recognize who people are to some extent, because especially when I go into the operating room environment, uh, people are wearing caps and masks and scrubs and everybody looks alike. It's hard to recognize people. <laughs> but nevertheless, I, I feel grateful for the opportunity to have this job and to help people and to serve and to try to make this crisis a little better for everyone. So. For yeah. me as a healthcare provider, the first thing that comes to mind is is gratitude for having the privilege of doing what I do. Secondly is acceptance. And you mentioned how does that play into your daily practice in the hospital? Um, you know, there are obviously conditions which are quite painful and represent a lot of suffering that we encounter every day in the hospital. People who are suffering from COVID or who have family members with COVID, loved ones with COVID, uh, people who are having to quarantine, stay home with their children, uh, who are learning from home, uh, whose lives are adversely affected and made much more difficult. So the way to get through this is to actually embrace it, embrace the pain and suffering as part of the human condition and learn to accept those things that we cannot change. Mm. And similarly, our intention, we have to remind ourselves that we have the power to change the way we think. We don't have to be dwelling on the past and the future and with fear and anxiety and shame and regret. We can dwell on the present. We can embrace what we have, not what we appear to lack. And so we have the power of intention in our thought process. So if I start to get overly involved in getting sad and maybe a little depressed as I'm at work and I'm seeing all the adversity around me, I remind myself I have the power of intention. I can think of all the positive things about being at work, and there are myriad, really, of, of elements. The teamwork, um, you know, the, the bravery, the courage of the staff and the patients, uh, the way people are really pulling together as, as a human, you know, as a human organism, if you will. And then, you yeah. know, again, it's I have to remember that uh, I don't gain by judging this set of circumstances. It is what it is. Me calling it bad or good or otherwise is not going to change it. And so I sort of drop the judgment. You mentioned your interaction with physicians. And we do, you know, as part of our human condition, tend to judge other people. And physicians are humans. So we do sometimes see someone who's a cigarette smoker. And <laughs> maybe I'm taking care of their child who's in the intensive care unit on a ventilator with asthma or with a viral pneumonia. And I'm thinking, well, there's all the secondhand smoke in the house. Uh, and then I see the parents, I smell cigarette smoke on the mother's sweater, start to make judgments about that person as a parent. And I realize I start to do that. And it reminds me to drop that judgment. I don't know this person. They might be the best parent in the world. Maybe they quit smoking for 10 years and now seeing their child on a ventilator, they had to go out and have a cigarette. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things I don't know. Yeah, or, I, I really have no or, right to judge. Yeah, or maybe they smoke cigarettes, but they smoke outside, you know? 
Yeah, there's there's all kinds of things that you you know you don't know about a person. Um, yeah, so well said, well said, doctor. That's awesome. I, I I love I love the thought process behind that, and you know, it's kind of what you were talking about too about being grateful. Um, in 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 late 2019, you know, there were a bunch of companies, a bunch of people, uh, you know, on social media and 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 in personal talks, you know, talking about how you know 2020 is going to be huge for me. It's going to be the year where I'm going to gain this i'm gonna gain that and you know 2020 actually turned out to be a time where you're thankful for who you are you know that your family is is alive thankful for the things that you have versus thinking about the things that you want or what you're going to go do it was um almost like a almost like a stop and check yourself year right <laughs> absolutely yeah well, I was chairing a meeting. I'm the I'm the chair of the wellness committee for the California Society of Anesthesiologists, and, and we had a meeting last night. And I had everybody who was uh, participating in the meeting, 20-some-odd anesthesiologists from around the state of California who were on my committee. I had each of them identify one thing that's positive about this pandemic. Yeah. So people talked about the opportunity to really get to know their children you know, spending more time at home, their kids and themselves. Um, people talked about, you know, having an opportunity to really get into reading some books they've been putting off or uh, cleaning out their house or, you know, just having more time to think. So again, you know, I think there's something for which to be grateful in, in yeah. every human circumstance. And <laughs> we just need to be mindful of that i feel like i feel like everything that you just said is everything that i'm going through myself like you know my my daughter's been home doing school uh online so we're dealing with that my wife is home i still i still commute to the studio it's where i'm, I'm here in here in phoenix um but I decided to like, I'm going to take a day and um, let my wife kind of get a break from that. So I stay home Thursdays and I get to, you know, spend that time with my child being the, I call, I call, I call ourselves the chief education officer. So whichever parent is dealing with school that day, they're the chief education officer. Right. Uh, and so I got to be the chief education officer for quite a while. And um, you know, I went to my kid's school this morning, as a matter of fact, because um, they're getting ready to, um, you know, start the quarter number three in 2021 it's all going to be you know at, at home until they get some stuff figured out and i go there to go pick up the the materials and there's an envelope in the materials and i'm like what is this envelope and i open the envelope and my daughter got principal's list for two quarters in a row while doing online school and i just stopped for just a second and i was sitting in my truck and i just wanted to take a moment to be grateful for you know, my wife and her hard work with working with her, my daughter for, um, you know, taking being at home and doing school seriously and not and not thinking that it was just a time to mess around. And it was one of those moments where I felt incredibly humble and incredibly proud of my family for um, their ability to, you know, stick with the things that are unnormal un right now or not not the normal way, um, but still come out on the end and be triumphant. You know, it was one of those moments for me as a, as a father and a human being that I was just like, wow, I can't, I can't believe this. And, 
but it is it is here and i was just you know so grateful for that so i like the fact that you're you know looking at um you know those things of, of being grateful and having acceptance uh for whether they're good or bad things of things you can or cannot change and you know i think that's something i tell my daughter all the time i know she's only seven but she always you know she's a pretty smart kid. So she's all going in 20 different directions and wants to know about all these different things. And, you know, always telling her that, you know, you got to focus on the things that you can control. Cause if you focus on the things that you can't control, then, you know, you're going to be, uh, I mean, I make a joke. I tell her, you'll be like a dually you're stuck in the mud. <laughs> well, you know, it's the things that you can't control. I think that are painful. You, uh, I think benefit by, not just ignoring them or putting them aside with resistance, but rather at, at times contemplating them and really trying to open your heart and bring those things closer and closer until you can answer the question, can I live with this pain forever in the affirmative? So yeah. there's, a, there's a time and a place for contemplating uh, those things that are painful to us. But um, I think that has to be put into the broader perspective of, gratitude, intention, and non-judgment, as you were saying. Hey, everybody. I wanted to tell you about this great shaving product that I've been using lately. Not only is it awesome, it will save you money. Enough to buy 26 cups of coffee in New York City or three deep dish pizza dinners in Chicago. Harry's is an awesome product. It delivers high-quality razor blades as low as $2 each, a fraction of the price of leading brands, and saving you hundreds of dollars at the same time. I really like the way that Harry's works. It has a very close shave. It's got a great design for the handle. And also the scent of the shave gel is fantastic. And it leaves your skin nice and smooth. You can get a trial set delivered to your doorstep by going to harrys.com forward slash frequency. Quality, durable blades at a fair price, just two bucks a blade. They've cut out middlemen manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. I'm telling you, I use this product and it is absolutely amazing. Harry's has all your grooming needs covered in just one stop. You can get blades, hair care, shower products, all on harrys.com. And just like their blades, Harry is committed to providing premium products without breaking the bank. Again, visit harrys.com forward slash frequency. I want to make sure that everybody gets the chance to to go check it out. You can feel better too about the purchase because 1% of their proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations developed to helping provide access to better mental health care for men and veterans. How could you not get behind the veterans? So important nowadays. Listeners of the show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com forward slash frequency. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. I use it every day. Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated. And I'm telling you, when you get done shaving, your face will feel so smooth. It's amazing. You even get a travel blade cover to keep your razors dry and easy to grab on the go. So make sure you go to harrys.com dot com forward slash frequency to start shaving and saving today. Yeah. So I think earlier you were talking about kind of um, your routine in the morning as you're getting ready to go to the hospital with, um, you know, your breathing and grateful acceptance, intention, being purposeful. Um, where does your uh, physical exercise come in? Is that that 15 minute bike ride or um, do you have another way of, of kind of releasing some of those endorphins? Because I know for me, um, you know, I used, I used to do martial arts uh, when I was uh, when I was younger. And then also um, I, I did some hand to hand combat training in the military. And then when I got out of the military, I started doing uh, Kempo. 
And then I didn't do any martial arts for almost 10 years. Uh, and then this whole COVID thing started and my daughter has been doing karate. Just, you know, I felt, you know, she's a girl. She needs to learn how to protect herself. And, you know, there's a, a spiritual journey also that goes along with, you know, learning karate or other martial arts. And, you know, I, I was like, I think I need that. And, you know, going to karate and, you know, having that time to have a release and, um, you know, remove myself from the everyday norm and immerse myself into something that's completely, uh, completely the opposite of what I do every day on a normal basis. Um, I think for my mental health, it's very, very helpful. And it's been helpful for me to have that outlet. Um, you know, so are you, are you kickboxing? Are you boxing? Are you doing pushups? Like, uh, what are, what are you doing on that side, uh, from the physical standpoint, besides, you know, your breathing and being grateful acceptance and your intention. Well, you know, the last three chapters in the book are sleep, exercise, and nutrition. <laughs> and so I think we have to remember the importance of those three physical domains. And they are really the tripod on which everything rests. So if we're, you know, not sleeping or we're not exercising or we're eating poorly, it's going to be very hard to be present, to be grateful, etc. We're going to be distracted by our exhaustion by the way our bodies are shaping up that we're not so happy about. So we do have to really pay attention to these, I think, especially now during COVID when people are at home, they're maybe working from home and the lines get blurred between when it's time to sleep, when it's time to eat, when it's time to work, when it's time to recreate, etc. So for me, I'm very fortunate. Uh, I have uh, a home gym which I put together before all this happened, uh, unrelated to anticipating something like this pandemic. So I work out in my gym most days. And when I can, I take my bike out and pedal through the beautiful uh, landscape around this area. And I'm equally mindful of the way I eat. I happen to be a vegetarian uh, for the last uh, 40 odd years. Um, but I'm very interested in nutrition. That actually ended up being my undergraduate degree was in nutritional science as part of my uh, human biology. And, uh, you know, I'm very focused on nutrition in my patients too, because it's a very important part of intensive care medicine is making sure that the patients are appropriately nourished. We tend to starve them by not giving them calories, by just giving them ordinary IV fluid. So, and the other thing is that my sleep hygiene has improved quite a lot over the years. Uh, I used to do a lot of things that I really enjoyed, but that interfered with sleep. Like I would have just that little finger of scotch. I'm a single malt enthusiast. And, and that and a book sitting on my bed at nine o'clock in the evening was one of my most uh, precious hours of the day. However, I realized that the even a little bit of whiskey was interfering with my sleep. And so I, I stopped doing that. And uh, now I've got more scotch than I'll ever drink, but I'm sleeping a lot better. So I think we do have to pay <laughs> attention to our sleep hygiene. Um, and there's a whole list of things that most people are sort of familiar with that we can do to improve our sleep. But we really should be very attentive to getting good, good quality sleep for the right amount of time and getting some exercise every day um, it, even in the pandemic with gyms closed, there are certainly ways to do that. Just even going for power walks 
And then there is resistant uh, resistance type training we can do, cardio training we can do at home. Oh, yeah. And then eating well, which, you know, is is a challenge during these times. Um, but I think we have to just baby steps, get into good habits. And again, it takes recognition of what the right things to do are, and then we can pursue those habits. So do you not drink scotch at all now, or you just make sure that you time it in a manner where you can still enjoy the scotch, but um, it doesn't mess with your sleep? Yeah, I, I like to have a glass of wine with dinner. I occasionally have uh, one of my old single malts with some friends, uh, you know, in the early evening or at the end of the day. Uh, not so much now because of COVID, but, uh, yeah. you know, I'm just an occasional scotch drinker, although I'm, uh, <laughs> I remain very appreciative of the, the art and the science that go into making a good single malt. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of whiskeys and I got to be careful too, like for the sleep time. If I, um, if I have a drink too late, I have the same problem too. It really messes with my sleep. And so I've got to make sure that if I'm going to have, you know, uh, an adult beverage, I I do the same thing. I'll do it with dinner. So it's a little earlier in the day. Uh, and then, and then the sleep seems to be much better for me. And, you know, uh, I'm 40 years old and I'm trying like, heck to try to get you know that that eight hours of sleep i probably get seven hours of sleep at night but um you know that's probably okay uh, is there a is there a thing as too much sleep for someone you know like if you get 10 hours of sleep is that is that excessive for someone i think you have to listen to your body ryan and if it uh it, it seems like you're exhausted and you and you've not been getting enough sleep i think occasionally sleeping for 10 hours may be appropriate. Um, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule. I think the ideal is to go to sleep at the same time and wake up at the same time every day. And then, so even on the weekends, um, so that your body really is in a biorhythm. <laughs> And the other, you know, that's there are my, lots of doc, other that's, elements. That's my biggest challenge right there is the whole, yeah. I can, I can go to bed at nine or nine 30 or 10 o'clock and during the week and get up at five or four forty-five every morning. No problem. Right. The weekend comes around and it's like, Oh yeah, I'll go back to sleep. And then I, you know, sleep till seven. <laughs> and I, you know, there are other elements of good sleep hygiene. One thing that people don't recognize and it certainly caffeine affects all of us differently, but the, the molecule or the drug caffeine has a long half-life. So the half-life is six to eight hours. And that means when you have a cup of coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon, you'll get a, 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 a peak in your, the caffeine level in your bloodstream. And actually, you know, at eight or nine o'clock in the evening, you have half that amount of caffeine mm -hmm. still in your, in your bloodstream. So it's, it's still there. And I mean, even people that have several cups in the morning, there still may be a significant concentration of caffeine in their blood when it's bedtime. And oh, yeah. for me, that uh, definitely interferes with my sleep. Oh, but I had so, the same. I had the same. Know, there are a number of things. Oh, yeah. I think. yeah, I was just going to say, I had the same problem. I was going to say the way we eat <laughs> and the way we drink and, and so on, it, it, it all plays into our sleep. Yeah, that's, that's actually something that I learned during COVID. Um, you know, you can see my video here. I have this gigantic bottle of water and, um, 
I, I used to drink rock stars, right? The energy drinks. I used to drink coffee. I'd go to Starbucks, like all that stuff. And, um, in April of 2020, um, I started to finally realize that that was not healthy for me. And I was having sleeping problems. Um, and I completely cut out all caffeine. I don't, you know, I'm every once in a while, maybe, you know, at, uh, uh lunchtime or something like that, I might have a soda want one, Right. Uh, cause those have caffeine in them too. And a bunch of sugar. I'm trying to stay away from that too. But for the most part, I've been really good. And it's because of COVID that I was able to change, you know, my habit and making sure that, you know what, I'm always just carrying a bottle of water because I'm one of those kind of people that like, I'm, it doesn't, I live, it doesn't matter how much water I drink. I'm always thirsty. I don't know why that is. Um, but it's also been beneficial because, uh, you know, when you go to your doctor and they're like, how much water are you drinking? I can be like, well, let's see. I drank six of those today. I drank 220 ounces and they're like, whoa. <laughs> and they're happy that I'm drinking that much water. Um, and I felt a, a huge difference in cutting out caffeine completely. It's been, uh, it's been, it's been life-changing for sure. I used to have that problem where, you know, you would drink some coffee or some caffeine in the morning and right around two or three o'clock in the afternoon, like you feel like you need to take a nap, um, because you're crashing off of the caffeine and sugar that you had earlier in the day. Um, and now that I cut all that out, I don't have have that I don't have a case of what I used to call the two o'clocks <laughs> absolutely well you know Michael Pollan wrote a book about caffeine I think the name of the book is caffeine and he <laughs> describes similar to what you just described he describes stopping and how bad he felt initially you know mm-hmm. he stopped cold turkey just to see what it was like and you know he felt pretty awful I mean he definitely went through withdrawal and uh, that ended after several days or a week or so. And then he reports exactly what you did, that the quality of his sleep was much better. And therefore, he was more awake and alert during the day. And, you know, it just changed his life. I, you know, many of us really love the taste of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, but even decaf has some caffeine in it. And so I can't drink that. Yeah, coffee. Uh, coffee smells amazing. Either. When you brew a cup of coffee, it smells amazing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I love it. But I, I, you know, one one mug in the morning, and that's it. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of lot of uh, you know folks out there that are dealing with you know burnout and all that kind of stuff too, because they're working from home and all that. And you know, you had made mention earlier about their. Um, you know, being a, a hard, a hard time understanding when it's time to recreate, when it's time to, you know, stop, put the computer down, you know, go and, and, and be your normal person. Uh, and like, I, I've had this conversation with my wife several times because, you know, normally when you go to work, like you have, you ride your bike. So you have this 15 minute commute or 20 minute commute on your bicycle, right? That takes time when you're working from home, you don't have a commute. So it's like, if normally you start work at nine o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning or whatever that is, you're getting up, you're doing your thing, you're leaving at seven o'clock, seven fifteen, and then you're driving to work and you're getting to where you need to be. And then it's, you know, now eight 30, uh, when you're at home, you know, you can like jump in the shower and be ready to go. And it's like seven o'clock and you don't usually start until nine, but you go
go start working anyways because you're ready. And uh, so now, I, and I noticed this, that um, a lot of people who have been working from home are working more than their standard eight hours or eight and a half hours that is a normal working day. Um, and they're and they're blending those lines and starting work at seven o'clock and getting done at six o'clock. And then that's after the kids go to bed at eight o'clock, then they're getting back on the computer for another hour to work. Um, and, and I feel like there's this, um, you know, yeah, productivity is probably up a little bit in those spaces, but at the same time, um, you know, I don't feel that that's like healthy, you know? Well, it could be that the quality of the work they're doing is, is not as good as it was when it was more focused. That's I don't true. know, but I, I agree with you. I think it's not healthy to have those lines blurred at home and to end up having way too much screen time and, and too much time working. And for that reason, I would encourage people to uh, get up and, and do their morning hygiene thing. And then, of course, I would recommend doing the, a brief gain meditation, having breakfast and using a, a little bit of extra time to read the newspaper or a magazine over a cup of coffee or or you know talk to their loved one or loved ones over the breakfast table rather than rushing off enjoying that extra time before they start work and then formalize the work process so that you work in a particular place in the house. Maybe you have a home office, um, but it's a, it's a distinct enterprise and it has a start time and an end time. And the rest of the time, yeah, you have some extra time. So you can be a little more relaxed in the morning. You can be more relaxed in the evening and have more time to spend with your family, maybe reading a book, uh, listening to music, there are lots of things that we like to do that we normally don't do because we're working. And, and I think that becomes especially true in this time for many people. Yeah. Are you having trouble finding hand sanitizer? Well, Spa Treat has you covered. There's no need to go searching high and low. Just visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and place your order on their easy to use website. On schedule delivery. One of the great things about this product, Spa Treat Fulfillment Team is working around the clock to provide people hand sanitizer during this time of need and get your order to you as quickly as possible, even faster than Amazon. Spa Treat also has the lowest price of any of its competitors. Spa Treat has 62% alcohol content and the FDA recommends between 60 to 80 for maximum protection. This one has 62 because it doesn't dry your hands out. I use this stuff every single day. It is fantastic. It's got certified organic extracts with the ingredients in that hand sanitizer that are of the highest quality and they're designed to leave your hands smelling and feeling fresh while protecting you at the same time. The best part, there's no tricky residue left over. None. None of that sticky stuff. Four cents available, unscented, tea tree, lavender, and lemon. And best of all, this product right here is made in the good old United States of America. A lot of companies are having trouble dealing with the current demands, so Spa Treat has dedicated themselves to providing a much-needed product in the time of crisis. Spa Treat has better prices, faster shipping, and a larger supply than any of their competition. There isn't even a close second. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and enter promo code SPA SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. That's right. Not only are they offering the lowest price available, but they're also offering our listeners a discount. This promo code is exclusive to Voice America and only our listeners get this discount. SpaTree and Voice America came together on this sponsorship in order to provide Americans something they could really need right now. Peace of mind. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and order yours today. That's 
SpaTreatOfficial.com and make sure you use the promo code SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. SpaTreatOfficial.com. Get your awesome hand sanitizer. You know, you mentioned music and I want to just go there for just a second because I have a I have a a special connection for me with music and it's um it's like total therapy and I I, I urge people uh, to take time and listen to some music just relax and let the music play and hear it and feel it um you know that's one of the things uh for me that i also started doing again that i hadn't done in so long uh you know i I used to be a club dj um and a radio dj with turntables and different kinds of music and i really like house music and um I hadn't I hadn't been creative in that space for a while. I had been more focused on, you know, if I'm going to be at home and I'm doing recording, I'm recording commercials and audio segments for, uh, you know, for radio or or ads or those kind of things. And, you know, my my poor turntables are just sitting there collecting dust and, you know, my records are collecting dust and there's all this new technology out there now where you can, you know, play records with digital files and all this stuff that I kind of got behind on. And uh, I finally decided you know what, I'm going to get with the 2020s and uh, get my equipment back into in, in order and got my home studio back in order and started playing house music again. And I have to tell you, um, you know, taking that hour uh, every couple of days to just you know, listen to the music, be creative and use a different part of my mind. Um, man, that has just done done wonders for my psychological uh, health. So I want I, I would urge people to listen to music. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, I mentioned that we have an obsession with the past and the future and and find ourselves less and less often in the present moment. And music, for example, brings us into the present moment. Yeah. So if I'm listening to a piece of classical music that may be centuries old, it's just a moving experience for me, knowing the timelessness of this music and, and how it has remained great over the, the centuries and uh, it doesn't have to be centuries old music, but listening to that music is sort of a miracle coming in through your ears and it brings you into the present moment. It's similar to, you know, maybe making love with your partner or going for a walk in the forest and seeing the majesty and the beauty of these tall trees and the sunlight filtering through the canopy. It brings you right to that moment. And when we are in the moment, we are happy. And that is the point of mindfulness and and mindfulness practice and and the game practice, which is basically mindfulness. So this is where we use our intention to bring ourselves into the present moment to a greater extent. And I think that's exactly what you've just highlighted with music. Yeah, no, and I think I think that being present, I, I I totally agree with you. Being in in the present is is something that it makes you really happy. I <laughs> I have that same kind of feeling when I with my daughter, you know, when I come home from work, uh, and I'm I'm pretty good at separating, you know, work, uh, home life, all that kind of stuff because, um, you know, I just told myself a long time ago there isn't there isn't enough money in the world to stop me from making sure that i have a proper relationship with my child right um 
people talk about success and, you know, what is success to you? And, you know, some people tell them, oh, I have this business and we made a lot of money and all that. And um, my, my whole idea is uh, for me, success is making sure that um, I raise a well-adjusted, awesome human being uh, that's prepared for the world that is coming up and not the world that I live in. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, that's beautiful. There's nothing like the connection between people that love that brings us the loss of a sense of separation. Mm -hmm. And that's another element that we impose on ourselves. We feel separate. We feel isolated. We feel like this separate self that's born and, and has a life and dies. And in fact, we're overlooking the connection we have with the world and, and the people in it. And you know, what, what better place to appreciate that than with a child, um, with someone that you share unconditional love, as you suggested. It's, it's, it's beautiful, Ryan. And <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that perspective from you. And you know what you, you mentioned earlier in the interview, like that you, you, you know, you were working in, in pediatric intensive care physician and you know, that you kind of leaned more that direction because it wasn't so serious. And then the first thing I thought about was, well, you can't really be that serious with kids because you'll scare them, right? You got to be able to be like the fun doctor and to be able to, uh, to be able to have an interaction with a child in a manner where, you know, you're providing care to the child, but you're able to come in and, you know, make a little joke and get them to smile so that way the interaction is a little bit more fun you know you, you can't really do that with an adult right i mean you can it just depends on the adult some adults are going to be like what why are you joking right now i'm in the hospital like what's you can't <laughs> you know because it's so serious because they've got some stuff going on and they're in the hospital you know uh but with a kid it's not like that you know when when we visit phoenix children's hospital here uh for some of our charity stuff and you know you you see you see the children and the smiles on their faces from something so simple is just being there right and telling them that you care about them and you know these kids are terminal cancer patients or you know whatever the case may be and you know just you know being able to put a smile on their face is something that i think is you know good for them and good for you as as the person you know trying to provide that smile but uh, i think that's probably why you that's why you stayed in pediatric medicine because you uh you want you wanted to be fun fun dr hammer absolutely and and <laughs> not to minimize how the children make us laugh. Yeah. So it's yeah. a two-way street. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Uh, kids are kids are a wonder, that's for sure. So Dr. Hammer, I want to talk about the book a little bit more, um, you know, where, where people can find it, uh, where people can find information about you. Um, I know you got a lot of stuff going on at your website, right? GregHammerMD.com. Uh, what else you got? Give, give us the socials medias. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, my website is greghammermd.com, lowercase, G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R.com. Uh, there's also a Facebook page. The, the greghammermd.com site will have a lot of media, like I, I anticipate that our interview will be on that site at some point. There's lots of other interviews and, and other media there, and there's a link to where you can get the book, which is on Amazon. So you can also uh, search on Amazon for Gain Without Pain, Greg Hammer, and find it there. And there'll be more books coming for the, the general audience. I think that, uh, but anybody would enjoy the book that's out there. It doesn't have to be limited to healthcare providers. I think there's a lot of good information there for all of us. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about burnout, right? Uh, and uh, that happens to everybody, uh, whether you're a healthcare professional or you're a, a mom working from home. So I think there's a benefit for, for all to check out the book. Uh, you know, so, so Dr. Hammer, where do you go from here? I know you're going to write some other books, but you know, what, what aspirations do you have as you move through this, you know, portion of your life? And, you know, hopefully we get this vaccine rolling in for COVID and some of that stuff changes. But, you know, when you, when you look five years into the future, what do you, what do you see next for you? Uh, I don't know. I, I, Ryan enjoy so much what I'm doing now. I hope that I'm capable of carrying on. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a book with a 16-year-old in Florida who is uh, teaching mindfulness to kids. So that book is going to be about mindfulness for teenagers. Um, I hope that there will be more gain without pain books for entrepreneurs, for teachers, for young parents, etc. cetera. Uh, and I hope to continue my medical practice and my research. I, I just enjoy it all so much. And of course, uh, some travel and and lots of wonderful hikes and bike rides and spending time with the people that I love. So are you still uh, are you still are you still gazing into the stars? And I know you talked about astronomy. That's one of the things I, that just, uh, I absolutely love. I can say this now because this interview is going to come out after Christmas. But um, I got my daughter a telescope. She's so she's going to be so excited. Um, you know, I remember being a kid and you know setting up the telescope and being able to look at all the different things and you know your mind starts to wonder on you know all the different parts of the universe and now they got these really cool telescopes that hooks up to your phone so then you know you could take photos of the stuff that you're looking at through the app on the phone and I'm super excited to to play with that with her but um what about you are you still are you still staring at the stars uh my main staring at the stars time is from the uh <clears throat> excuse me, the comfort of my hot tub. Nice. Outside my bedroom. And I've got a nice swatch of the sky there. And, and so I do gaze up and think about the planets I'm looking at and the moon and, and beyond. And it's a state of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, periodically love to go to a planetarium or an observatory. So it, it's a state of mind, I would say, Ryan, more than it is actually uh, looking through a telescope lens. You know, I, I, my the Lowell uh, Observatory is here in, in Flagstaff, Arizona, and uh, I was just talking to my wife about this last night. Uh, that that's that's a place I want to I want to definitely get to soon. Uh, they got they just installed their new telescope, and so there's all kinds of cool stuff to go check out and. You know, I'm such a I'm such a space guy. I'm so into, you know, uh, uh, sci-fi only because I always believe in my in my brain. Like, you know, you watch Star Trek when you're growing up and you're like, that is a really cool invention. And then here we are, you know, 25 years later. And some of the things that people were thinking up on sci-fi TV shows are actual reality now, which is kind of cool. So I love the idea of science fiction becoming science fact. Absolutely. <laughs> Fascinating stuff out there. Oh, it sure is. I really appreciate you jumping on uh, this interview today. It's been it's been wildly fun and exciting. We've covered so many different topics on uh, on the program today. So thank you so much for being on today. It's really my pleasure, Ryan. Happy to join you anytime. 
Yeah, we'll have to do a little bit of a follow-up, I think. You know, you got some other stuff that you'll be doing in 2021, so I'd love to have a follow-up interview and uh, kind of see, uh, you know, what you got going on there. So again, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Finding Your Frequency with your host, myself, Ryan Treasure, our guest, Dr. Greg Hammer. Uh, go check out the book, Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. And it's not just for healthcare professionals, it's for anybody. You guys can go read that book, find out about, you know, how you can kind of get back to that happy space. Uh, uh, and go check out the website, greghammermd.com. Thank you so much again for joining. I want to give you a shout out. Thanks, Ryan. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to Finding Your Frequency. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast destination, please make sure to give us five stars because we sure appreciate it. And of course, you can always reach us at info at voiceamerica.com. Drop us a couple of lines. Let us know how you feel about the show. We'll take show ideas or any guests that you guys want to have. We appreciate that. And of course, you can go on Facebook and check out the show on Finding Your Frequency Facebook page. And of course, the website, findingyourfrequency.net. Thanks again for tuning in to Finding Your Frequency. I'm Ryan Treasure right here on the Voice America. America Talk Radio Network.